Moving Iron Podcast number 161. Today, my guest is a repeat guest, and Kristen Nichols from Hemp Industry Daily was on um, just shortly right after hemp became a uh, kind of a mainstream thing and, and it became a legal, uh, legally able to grow it in the U.S., but there was not really any defined rules or regulations through the USDA other than they said you could grow it. So now now we do have some defined rules and regulations here with the USDA and okay. I wanted to get Kristen back on to talk about the kind of what's going on with hemp now and and, and, and yeah. how are these new kind of regulation stuff are going to take place. So Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's gonna, I'm looking forward to this. All right. So where do we start? I guess... Um, why don't you just talk a little bit about what the USDA did do for hemp and, and okay. kind of how they outlined that crop? Okay, so last Christmas about, um, Congress legalized hemp, like you said. You said you can grow it anywhere, and they said USDA is going to be in charge of it. They got to come up with rules. Well, one day later, the whole federal government shut down, <laughs> kind of delaying everything. Yep. So it took them a minute to get this started. This is brand new for USDA. And then on Halloween, um, they came out with more than 160 pages of rules for how you can grow hemp. The new thing here is that it's one set of rules for the whole country. Instead of being patchwork state to state, you can do this in this state, but not in that state. So this is a big deal. It's not a huge change for all producers in all states, but for some producers in some states, it's huge. Um, so it gives us our first framework of how USDA is going to approach this new crop. Right on. Okay, so we had I had a friend of mine that's out on the East Coast uh, in uh, North Carolina, Virginia area, and that play in, in all three of those states in that in his general vicinity, I think it was West Virginia, Virginia, and North Carolina, all had legalized hemp production. But because of interstate commerce and and that not and hemp still being you know a, a class A or whatever it is, uh, kind of lumped in there with marijuana, you couldn't necessarily go between state lines. And he was telling me about a producer that grew hemp in, you know, a few miles down the road on the other side of the state line, there was a, a hemp um, production plant and he couldn't go to that one. He had to drive 200 and some miles or whatever it is in the opposite direction. So the interstate commerce laws that are in that, involved with this new regulation now have got to have a big impact on the industry. Absolutely. This is a huge deal for the hemp industry to make it look more like regular crops. So the farm bill last year said, uh, that states can't block interstate commerce, but that applied to hemp that was grown under that farm bill. And that hemp wasn't grown under that farm bill until we got these USDA rules. So uh, your buddies uh, and anybody growing near a state line could not take advantage of that law until the USDA acted. Now they have, now everybody can uh, treat this like corn or canola or any other commodity crop and process it and harvest it the way that, that works for their business instead of working around this weird patchwork of state pilot project laws. Right on. So the other thing too that I think is a big deal to this is that now we have 
you have protection of, of underneath uh, U.S. federal crop insurance uh, and, and the stuff that you see there. So talk about that. I mean, I'm not necessarily as clear on that as I, as I should be, but if I'm understanding correctly, it falls in the same guidelines and regulations that everything else does. Is that right? Yes and no. Okay. Yes, <laughs> you do when you don't have crop insurance. Okay. Uh, the, the, there's nothing in these rules about crop insurance. That's been the fact since this uh, crop was legalized last year. The USDA said last summer, to make clear, you're eligible under a whole farm policy. Um, there is, as you, you guys probably know, and your producer friends probably know, there's a bunch of crops that are considered uninsurable. Right. Um, right now, hemp is one of them. Um, until we have years of good harvest data, insurers are not going to really offer hemp-specific policies um, until a insurance company knows what an acre of hemp is supposed to produce, they're not going to insure it. As you guys know, um, it's kind of like health insurance. The federal government subsidizes crops and crop insurance, but they don't really provide crop insurance. Right. What they do is they subsidize private insurers. So otherwise nobody would do it because you know, it's a pain to right. insure crops. Nobody would ever take that risk. Farmers do every day, but insurance companies won't. So it's setting a path to whole farm coverage if this is one of many crops that you have. But insurance companies say it's probably going to be at least five years before we can ourselves issue hemp-specific policies. And there's another big wrinkle there, which everybody wants, but I don't think they're going to see, which is insurance for if your hemp goes hot, which means if you grow hemp, but you have to destroy it because it exceeds the THC limit, I don't think anyone's going to ever offer a policy that will pay you for that. It has to be destroyed. That's marijuana under federal law. Right. Okay. So the next thing that I think that the USDA kind of cleared up a little bit was the, the lending regulations that go along in, into uh, produ to production of hemp. So talk about that a little bit. And I mean, I know there's still some gray area there, but it, it's a little more defined than it's been in the past. Absolutely. Again, nothing in the USDA rules speaks specifically to access to capital. However, they have made several announcements making clear that this is a crop like any other um, and that uh, farmers should have access to things like small business loans um, and uh, the kind of lending things that are available to other commodity farmers in, in, any, in, in any line of agriculture. But the, again, it doesn't compel a company to lend a hemp company money. It's still a very uncertain market. And so a lot of banks and other lenders are not loaning to hemp, not because they think it's illegal, because they don't know if they're going to get their money back. <laughs> so there's nothing in these rules. USDA can't really wave a magic wand. What USDA has done and, and the government will do is say, you're eligible for small business assistance. You're eligible for all these programs that help new and emerging farmers and new commodities. Okay, so with our proximity, I, I live in, in the western Nebraska Panhandle. You're in Denver, so you're yeah. kind of right in the epicenter of, of everything having to do with the uh, the legal legalized marijuana as well as the hemp side. And, and we have some stores down in the eastern side of our of our territory, and hemp has kind of creeped out to that very kind of you know eastern Wyoming or eastern Wyoming, eastern uh, Colorado kind of edge yep. there, and. We've seen some very large-scale production come in where it's not just necessarily the the 5 or 10 or 15 acres that we've seen people kind of start with, and but more of a full-scale agricultural production where they're doing multiple 
you know, hundreds of acres worth of, of hemp under either irrigated pivots or subsurface irrigation or, and, and taking advantage of all these different things. The, the one yeah, thing the that real I, guys are in it for sure. Oh yeah. The, the one thing I have noticed though, is that, that, uh, when you, when you sit down and talk with any of these producers, um, they all have a different idea of how it works, just like most farmers do. Everyone they have their own way of thinking about it, but not all of them are a hundred percent for sure what's going to work and what's not going to work because it's a very new, a new product. Kind of as you cover this and you see this stuff, talk about the uncertainty that you, that you. I mean, I guess <clears throat> when you look at when you look at the producer that's growing it, um, how many? How, do you think a lot of folks are jumping into this that just don't understand agriculture maybe to some extent and they just think they can go grow some stuff or do you think that there's because i know the big guys that i'm that i'm dealing with understand farming and get it it's it's some of the other folks that are jumping in that i kind of worry about so as you look at this at this big picture of what's going on to him do you feel like there might be a a bit of a gold rush mentality to some of this some of this hemp production you are putting it mildly uh, selfishly, I'm a reporter. It is so fun to cover this uncertainty and this change. But absolutely, I love my job because I say all day long, I either talk to pot people who don't know a thing about agriculture or I talk to farmers who don't know a thing about pot. Right. Uh, there's a big learning curve on both sides. Right. There are, believe it or not, there are cannabis growers who grow at scale and large large multiple acres of production and know how to get this product to market and make it work. Um, there, there are also definitely pot people that have no idea how to run more than a half acre hidden in the backyard, trying to evade law enforcement. Um, one thing that I think is certainly happening is that folks are seeing these per acre uh, profit lines. They're yeah. seeing, Oh, folks are making 10, 20, hundred thousand dollars an acre. Well, the guys that are making that are probably not doing a thousand acres. So people, it's hard to scale uh, what you can maybe make uh, with a small artisan hand harvested. For That's one thing that is very silly. Most hemp in this country still for CBD flour is hand harvested. Most marijuana is hand harvested. That is not sustainable at scale. So what we're seeing is so interesting to watch. We're seeing big ag, whether it's tobacco producers looking to pivot to something, whether it's big ornamental producers. We have a story uh, today about um, kind of one of the largest ornamental producers making things like petunias and pansies for Lowe's Home Improvement. They're now all in hemp. Um, people that grow all kinds of stuff are pivoting to hemp village farms, a big tomato producer in Texas. They're all pivoting to hemp. So we're seeing how people bring the expertise from their individual areas of agriculture to this new industry. Absolutely. There's, it's a gold rush mentality. A lot of folks are losing their lunch right now. Uh, we have our first harvest in after the 2018 farm bill. Folks are dealing with uncertain genetics. Um, things they didn't expect to happen. And even really experienced farmers maybe have always used certified seed, Aosca seed. They're used to buying seed that germinates 80% plus or 90%, 95% even. Not used to uh, buying seeds on the internet from a guy who said they think it's going to be XYZ, then they plant it, and none of it comes up the way they thought. So Huge learning curve for everybody. Fun to watch. I'm sure not fun for people going through it, right. but it's going to shake out and be very different. I think even next year. Yep, that is uh, the other thing too. I've I've watched and I've I've really enjoyed watching kind of take place and happen is the cross pollination between some of the uh, 
the high value crops like tomatoes and carrots and those kind of things and, and the equipment that they're using on that side and how that stuff is transitioning over into um, hemp. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed with hemp producers is whether they're large scale farm production guys or the guy that's doing, you know, half acre in his backyard or whatever, it's the weed pressure that they get into because it's, you know, they can't spray it with anything. They have some, they have some herbicides that they are pesticides and stuff that they can spray on there to kind of keep the bugs down. But some of these fields are just get, and that's the thing about weeds. It doesn't take long to get overran. So what, what are you seeing on that front? Like, is there some, is there a lot of genetic kind of, reprogramming of the of sorts where they they're starting to look at at maybe some genetically modified hemp i guess or, or is there is there what's kind of on the horizon here for for that front oh that is it that is what everybody's uh, looking for uh, again a way to uh come up with a a breed that or a variety that will resist intense weed pressure without uh having a lot of pesticides or herbicides sprayed on it that work doesn't happen overnight i think it's going to be a few years but absolutely, you were right. The weed pressure, you just could not believe. We always, when we writing stories about hemp, we ask people to send us a picture of what their fields look like. Send us a picture and try to get out there and really see what it looks like. And it won't surprise you. I would say nine and 10 are embarrassed to send it because they don't want us because of how bad the weeds are. It is a real thing in all kinds of climates. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a, I, I don't know if it's going to be a one big answer for every climate or we're going to, but also EPA is now in the game right. too because of this. They're looking at some pesticides that can work for this product. So I think we'll see big changes here in the next couple of seasons. So with the changes, what, what, what you see have come down with the, from the U.S. government as well as the USDA, is there more um, international people getting in coming to the u.s to grow stuff like people from canada and europe and those places where you see more of that traditional growth that we, they've had for you know tens of years by now absolutely you're seeing people uh try to bring their expertise to heat to other places that are newer to hemp um and every time i feel like i go to a any kind of conference in the cannabis industry it's full of people complaining about Coloradans because <laughs> you, you're from somewhere you think you know everything. Right. And then you go every place is like, oh, way, congratulations. I'm now here with all my expertise. Um, so we are seeing a little bit of that. We're definitely seeing the opportunities on gen is genetics and seed breeders who have established lines in the EU or Canada really seeing some opportunities to sell here. What I think is going to be really interesting to watch is that a lot of folks, who are making the pivot to hemp from traditional agriculture are doing it because they can't compete with lower production costs in right. Mexico and Latin America. Well, I think it's not going to be long before the same thing happens to hemp. Will you have to grow hemp in the United States or will that all go to Mexico and Latin America where there are much lower production costs, lower taxes, cheaper land, that whole, all that pressure happening is going to affect hemp the same way it affects every other crop. Right. Okay. So now let's talk about, let's jump over to the, the legal, uh, legalized marijuana side of it. There is a, uh, there's a big push. Um, and, and you're seeing it every, every year, one more state or two more states become, you know, where they have legalized marijuana for recreational use. You're starting to see that pop up all over the place and, it, and it's growing. The one thing I noticed just kind of studying this a little bit and what happened in Canada, same kind of deal, you know, a few states kind of, or a few provinces 
showed up and did some legalized marijuana and then the hemp thing came in and then they had to open up the floodgates for to, for interstate commerce or province commerce and everything else and then that kind of just led to one giant um, legalization of marijuana so I guess talk about that a little bit and the path that you see overall just the legalization of marijuana taking a course here in the United States well some people say it's cynical but I don't think so some people say well hemp is just a backdoor path to legalizing marijuana. Now, of course, I don't think that's necessarily true or that I really do think it was passed because people want to find new opportunities for farmers. However, it's the same plant. It's hard to tell the difference. The only way to tell the difference between hemp and marijuana is to cut some and run it through a spectrometer to get the THC reading. That's kind of silly doesn't have a lot of basis in nature or science. You know, a cannabis plant doesn't grow up and think, oh, do I want to be a hemp or do I want to be marijuana? You know, uh, I think it's going to be such a lift trying to keep them separate that I really could see hemp legalization leading very quickly to marijuana legalization simply because it's such a pain in the caboodle to keep them separate that it's more work than it's worth I think it's important that it really depends on what the public perception of harm is. When we made all kinds of substances illegal, it was because the public thought they were harmful. Uh, or, uh, or And that it was, we knew that, of course, just like alcohol prohibition, you're going to ca- ca- create a black market and have some criminals that still do it. But it's bad enough that we should try. Well, I think public sentiment is moving away from that. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think we're still many years away from the Congress and, and the federal government saying, you know what, this was a failed experiment making marijuana illegal. It doesn't stop people from using it, and it's too hard to tell from hemp. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that hemp, the hemp legalization is a huge step in that direction. All right, so now as we look across and, and we see what's happening, even though the USDA has done some stuff, uh, and, and outline what hemp production looks like. When you jump over and just take a look at, at CBD oil and some other derivatives of, of not just hemp, but also um, even in the marijuana side, there's still a lot of gray area there as to what is legal for food, um, per, food consumption, human consumption, and what's not. So talk about that gray area and, and where the USDA stands on that. Sure. The USDA, it's important to remember Their only interest is how this goes in the ground. Once it comes out of the ground, once this plant's out of the ground, USDA is no longer their problem, and they have no interest in regulating that. So there's nothing here to solve the problem of, is CBD legal? I see it everywhere, but I'm not sure it is. Um, That is an FDA issue. They have a lot of problems, frankly, in my opinion, bigger than CBD. So what we're seeing is a very, very weird situation where the FDA says CBD cannot be put into food, drugs, or dietary supplements, can't be put into beverages. That is illegal. But they don't have a, you know, a law enforcement arm that can go to every corner store and farmer's market where this is happening. So folks are broadly ignoring it without really repercussions because there's not, again, there's not an FDA police. All they can do is send nasty letters to their local health departments. Um, These rules don't solve that. That's going to be definitely a huge issue for another day. We're still waiting for the FDA to tell us where that stands. The FDA started a new review of CBD just last summer at the end of May, and they said they'd have an update by the end of the summer or early fall. Well, 
it hasn't happened yet. I think they're finding it's a little complicated. And so I don't think it's going to be anytime soon before we really have an answer of where you can use that CBD that you're growing. Right. Okay. So from a clinical uh, clinical study perspective, um, there's been several pharmaceutical companies that have used derivatives of, of marijuana or hemp and different um, drugs that, they've, that they're testing. And the long-term effects of what they're seeing happen is very positive. I mean, they're seeing, you know, whether it's a for pain or arthritis or all these different inflammations, all these different things that you see happening. There's plenty of, of uh, data out there that's kind of starting to point in direction that, that CBD oil, hemp derivatives, marijuana derivatives, those kind of things are all have some pretty positive health effects. Talk about that a little bit and what you see happening on that front. Well, I think it's important to remember that you only hear about the positive results when a pharmaceutical company spends, you know, tens of millions of dollars researching whether a substance uh, cures X, Y, or Z. They don't really come out and brag about it when they find out that it doesn't. But you're right. There, I feel like there are lots of universities now really diving into this. This is another big consequence of the farm bill. When all cannabis was Schedule 1, Schedule 1 means no medical use. That means Harvard, no university, no matter how much money they have, they cannot even study it because there's no valid medical use. Uh, the passage of the farm bill means that's okay. You can research it. So um, I think we're going to see a lot. I don't know where it's going to head because I'm not a scientist. I don't really know what exactly CBD does, but that is going to be critical going forward to see how this is regulated. I think another thing that could, is important to remember that is not necessarily going to be good news for the industry. And that is that when you see these positive effects, that might be a bigger argument to the FDA that this needs to be tightly regulated like a drug. So the FDA recently asked for public comments about CBD. They got thousands of them. And I went through all of them. And I was really surprised how many people said CBD is great because now I don't have to take and they said a yeah. prescription drug. Well, yeah. that's great, but that means that the CBD is doing something to you. So maybe that should be a pharmaceutical. Uh, if you say CBD is great, now I don't have to take my heart pills. Now I don't have to take this antipsychotic. It's doing something to you if you were on 10 kinds of antipsychotics and now you're not. Um, so that's exciting, but it might lead to limits on how you can use CBD because the more right. effective it is, you know, it might mean that the government needs to regulate it more tightly. Yep. Now, those are all great points, and I never actually thought about that when, you know, that's it's, it's, uh, it's a great point because people start talking about, because I've met, I know plenty of people that were on two mm -hmm. or three different heart medications and, and started taking CBD oil, and all they do now is just take CBD oil. Whatever cholesterol issue or whatever it was they had is gone. Um, and there, like you said, there's a, there's a lot of studies out there relating CBD oil to psychiatric drugs and then the, the, sure. the, and it's exciting, the, but oh, it's it really great. raises the alarms for the FDA. Every time someone says um, that uh, if, that uh, CBD relaxes you or makes you feel less anxious, it's doing something to your brain. That's right. what the, that rings really some alarm bells, I think, at the FDA. Right on. Okay, so last question here, big picture. Let's take a look. Uh, as, as the years kind of go down the road, we get five years down the road, and, and we kind of continue to see the hemp, hemp production grow. Um, do you feel like kind of like my earlier talk when we were talking about the, the gold rush mentality? Um, obviously, there'll be a 
a flushing out of, of some uh, some producers, just like there is anything. Um, but as as more stability comes into the into the whole production of hemp, what's your thoughts about the hemp production over the next? five years, three to five years. I think next three to five times are really good. I do think again, after if we eventually legalize marijuana, you'll see all these same skills transfer really quickly to marijuana. And I think that could ultimately be a bigger market. If we're talking flower use. Um, I do think um, we're going to see more investments in different things to do with hemp besides CBD, other cannabinoid products that are also in that flower besides CBD and also maybe some of the more industrial uses. Uh, but however, that those industries are slow to disrupt. And so I don't know if that's a huge future, but I can see that if you want to succeed big, long scale, I think that product production gets bigger. Absolutely. I can see uh, big tobacco and these big ornamental growers or uh, basically people that are used to growing thousands of acres at scale, like the big, uh, canola growers in the Dakotas where some of the most hemp is being grown right now for these seed varieties, really scaling that. And I think you're going to see less of the, I was a pot dealer. Now I bought three acres and I'm going to get rich in CBD. I think those guys totally go away, but I think that could be a real positive for the industry, frankly. Yep. Well, it's an exciting industry. And I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very anxious just to see what happens with it because for my business and the farm equipment business, there's a, there's a, it's a new niche, you know, and it's, it's something, it gives our, it gives our producers another uh, revenue stream and it brings a whole new, uh, whole new group of people into the fold here. So absolutely looking forward to see what happens over the next five years. Chris, if if folks want to reach out and, and, you know, get some, get some touch base with you or send you a picture or whatever, what's the best way for them to do that? Okay. I love for everybody to go to hempindustrydaily.com, all one word, H-E-M-P-I-N-D-U-S-T-R-Y-D-A-I-L-Y.com. We also have a podcast. We do webinars. We have lots of business resources for how to start in this industry and where the opportunities are and, and just to reach out. Also, you can just email us or find all our contact info on that website. And I hope to hear from you soon. Right on. Well, Chris, we appreciate you being on the show and uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. So take care of yourself. We'll catch you down the road. All right. Thanks. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.